Vinny's view on the home of the Suns. Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Brought to you by Bumblebee Plumbing. They can buzz right over. Why? Because they care. BumblebeePlumbingAC.com. Rare is the NBA game that features one team putting forth a full 48-minute performance that is virtually nitpick proof. We witnessed that rare performance from the Phoenix Suns in last night's win over the Utah Jazz at Footprint Center on a night where Devin Booker was unavailable due to a hip injury. The rest of the Suns gave off that no-problem vibe, and it originated with Kevin Durant. KD almost effortlessly pumped in 19 points in the game's first 12 minutes, setting the tone for a game in which his team never trailed and led for 47 minutes and 37 seconds. That's not to say things didn't get tight. They did. A 19-point second quarter, a lead dwindled to three in the third quarter after Colin Sexton canned a three-pointer with 8.41 left. Suns called timeout, and after that, they again flashed that no-problem demeanor and immediately responded with a 13-0 run of their own that ended with back-to-back three-pointers by Eric Gordon. The Suns' lead was never a single digit for the rest of the game. Durant was magnificent on both ends of the floor, finishing with 31 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, three steals, two blocks. Bradley Beal hit six of nine three-pointers, scored 30 points in an effort that indicated growing comfort with the mask he's been wearing to protect a broken nose. Gordon hit clutch threes. Grayson Allen had 14 assists. Yusuf Nurkic filled the stat sheet, and the bench crew of Josh Okogie, Drew Eubanks, and Bull Bull all contributed, winning plays at crucial times. The Suns, coming off a strange win over Milwaukee in which they had only four assists in the first half, dished out a season-high 37 assists. Yeah, let's just sit back and enjoy this rarity, a 48-minute win against a young and dangerous team that have been playing good basketball. The Suns have just been stamped with Dan Bickley's unofficial 10 games over 500 stamp. So to stay there and to be factors the rest of the way in a daunting 30-game stretch of schedule, they may need more nights like this, nights where everybody contributes. There you go. There is Vinny's View brought to you by Bumblebee Plumbing. Nothing really. My best games is when nothing's on my mind. I'm just letting the game flow. Okay. And, uh, you know, organically just playing my game, you know. And the ball found me. I was able to knock some shots down and get us going. Transition. Grayson was looking for me in transition, so they got us going to start. Yeah, that's Kevin Durant on the... Kevin uh, Wayne Durant, what is up? I'm moving to X from CBS. What is up? Kevin freaking Durant. Wait, that that X to CBS thing? CBS to X. Jim Rome is signed to. He's taking his stuff to X now. You didn't see that yesterday? No. Oh yeah, your guy. Jim Rome's leaving CBS for X. What is up? <laughs> so you could say he is now X of CBS. <laughs> that is epic. Teddy and Modesto. What is up? <laughs> I have questions on the distribution of this show. Uh huh. Jerry, right. when they say something's being distributed by X, <laughs> what do they mean? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's one for the uh, the old yeah. time listeners. So uh, yes, a couple things. Yes, the the Suns are ten games over five hundred, so they get my stamp now of being a very serious professional sports team. I, that was the stamp. That's the stamp. Yep. Now you keep it, you grow it, and now you got something. But it, I, I've believed this for a while, and I believe it now. It's a good plateau for any team to get to, and the Phoenix. Suns have gotten there, what, first time this year? I believe yeah, so. I think so. First time this year, they've been 10 games over 500. I mean, if you go back to Christmas, they were under 500. Christmas Day. After, after Dallas put that beat How down. About it? Yeah, this season, has been, this season has been certifiably insane already. 
just the ups, the downs, the weirdness, the injuries, the spikes, the lows, the worries, the highs. And here we are, 10 games over 500 with the team that's sort of moving in the right direction. Uh, one of the things I noticed last night, and maybe this, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems to me at the trade deadline, what Matt Ishbia did, I think it kind of, I think it breathes some, some. I, the way I put it in my column is it pumps some oxygen in the room. And, and it, I, I think the fan base had certainly felt that way, kind of felt that way with the team too. And and maybe, and, and maybe that's, maybe the addition by September, Traction, maybe the fact that they know they're getting a really good on-ball defender, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the fact that they're they know that their owner is this aggressive, or maybe the ones that didn't get traded feel like okay, we're we're the ones they're keeping. Maybe they felt galvanized by that, but I I I think it impacted the Suns last night, and yeah. conversely, um, the Jazz, who have been way better for most of this year than I expected them to be, this is the second straight year they've unexpectedly been hovering around a play-in playoff berth and decided to sell rather than buy at the trade deadline. That's true. And Kelly Olynyk, for whatever you think of him, great hair. Whatever you think of him, he's sort of the he's the ringleader of that offense. He's the facilitator of that offense in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And now he's gone and he's gone and so were uh so was uh the, that dude with the dude that uh that the brandon Murata loved so much who's that guy the guy that the jazz traded away oh, simone fontecchio <laughs> yeah exactly him and then there, <laughs> and then there was i a, heard gambo say last yeah. night look they wanted fontecchio they look, wanted him more than o'neill they did so they wanted fontecchio they went on got david roger rahimi <laughs> they wanted him more than o'neill really? <laughs> that's what he said last night wow I never even heard of that guy. But no. U- Utah got a better deal from Detroit for Fontecchio, so the Suns <laughs> moved, moved down. And, okay. and, and look, Fontecchio is a better shooter. Royce O'Neal is—he's just a battle-tested pro. He's a, to me, he's much a much better fit for what the Suns need, in my opinion. But so, but so I think there was a little of that. I think there was a there was a spike in energy and excitement for the Suns, and and I think the Jazz kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, one of the other things that I loved about the game last night was there had been so much talk about the Suns trending in the right direction. And leaning on the big three. And we had the discussions yesterday. What's the magic number you need from the big three to win these games? And 85 was the number. But in the back of everybody's mind with this experience, the highs and lows, the roller coaster that you mentioned, you were just waiting for that game to come where they didn't have their big three. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't talked about. It, you know, Both Beal and Booker popped up on the injury report late in the process. But last night was the first game. They had played 16 games straight with the big three. What happens when one of them is not available? They didn't bat an eye without Devin Booker. Yeah, He's been no, playing really good basketball. Uh, listen, uh, and again, uh, when you think about the weirdness of the season, I think Devin Booker is just, I, I, I don't know what to make of the season he's had so far. I really don't. But I, I will say with him out on the floor and Bradley Beal feeling much more comfortable, they looked really comfortable without Devin Booker last night. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not making any declaration. Don't read into what I'm saying. I'm just stating an observation because yeah. they did. Yeah, but again, they're 12-3 and three over their last 15. Mm-hmm. 14 of those games have included Devin Booker. So there was a comfort level there too, mm-hmm. but again, you take one of those ingredients out. How did they? How did they withstand it? They yeah, did just fine. Well. Uh, Kevin well. Durant said, uh, "Yeah, we're used to playing with guys out." Yeah, I mean, we had guys in and out the lineup all season, so we kind of understand what our roles are when guys go out. It's the next man mentality in the league, and you know, we try to make up for everything we lost with Book. You know, he could do so much out there. So we gotta have 14 assists, and we got two guys with 30 and 19 for EG. 
12 for Drew, like we, we made up for it. So uh, that's what well-rounded teams do. And regardless of who's out there, we got to continue to keep playing together and playing hard. So uh, 37 assists. 12 turnovers. I love that. Yeah, and it was one of those games too, Vic, where everybody that played outside of you know the last minute 15 of garbage time, everybody that played, played well. <laughs> they, they all impacted the game. Yeah. Doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Good win for the Suns last night there in uh, San Francisco tomorrow. Coming up next, more questions about this year's Super Bowl, including the dynasty question and how it applies to Kansas City. We'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchan Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. It's the. Hey, it's Wolf. It's the last football Friday of the year. So, what do we expect from the 49ers Chiefs? We'll tell you our Super Bowl 58 bold predictions. We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. I feel like dynasties for other people to kind of talk about after your career is done. All you can do is enjoy the moment. Um, I know we've won a lot of football games and been in a lot of Super Bowls. Um, but until you go out there and do it year in and year out and have the mindset of continuing to be great, um, I, I don't know if you ever really just talk about it. You just focus on just going out there and winning it as much as possible and let people talk about it once you're done. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback on the subject of a dynasty, which has been talked about a lot this week, heading into Super Bowl 58 on Sunday. Theme song bring you back in time, Vic. Were you a dynasty viewer? No, no, I was not, Vinny. Uh, that was uh, what that was the Carrington television yeah, the, family, yeah. Joan Collins, John Forsyth, Linda Evans, Linda Evans. I was more of a Dallas guy, yeah, yeah. I was more aware of Dallas and Dynasty, but Same. both shows were Falcon Crest, enormous. One so. of the uh, one of Falcon the, Crest was like the little brother of those shows, true. One of the best things about Game of Thrones was it reintroduced the word dynasty as dynasty, which I like Ooh. a lot more. Do you? I do. It's kind of got you a real horse kind thief. of yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got a real kind of I don't know medieval feel to oh, it. Oh, the Kansas the City dynasty. Chiefs developing into a dynasty. Mm-hmm. That is our question. Um, <laughs> the look, Patrick Mahomes is going to downplay it. Anybody with that emblem on their gear is going to downplay it going into a game. But let's face it, they're a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Six straight championship games. This is their you know, fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. They're going for win number three. Again, in an age of parody, I think you have to shift your definition of a dynasty and appearances yeah. count. Like mm-hmm. Buffalo back in the day making four straight Super Bowls and losing them does not mm-hmm. qualify as a dynasty. You have to win something, but... This definitely qualifies yeah. for me, and I don't think it's going anywhere as long as Patrick Mahomes is breathing. No, no, and so, and again, so this is the closest we've been to this uh, since since the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, and this there's a long period of time in between when we've had repeat champions and what the Chiefs are doing now, and and you can find any number of people who 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 can make an argument on both sides of this fence as to whether or not having a dynasty or a dynasty is good for the sport. To have a team that is clearly better than everybody that sets the standard, that plays that role of overdog and villain that everybody's gunning for, whether or not that's actually good for the texture and the feel of the game or not. Where do you stand? Put it this way. I didn't like the fact, this is where I get confused about it. I did not like the fact that the Patriots were stockpiling championships, which kind of proves it works. 
because it was making me feel something that I might not have otherwise felt. You almost feel in professional sports, at least I do, and maybe it's just because time is speeding up as we get older. Mm -hmm. It just feels like there's very little stickiness to championships. Teams win them, they celebrate, and it's all forgotten. And then the next year happens, it's like, who won last year? Oh, yeah. Now, you don't feel that way in football as much as you do in other niche sports, if you will. But when you have dynasties or dynasties, you know. You know who's at the top. And there's definition to the whole thing. So I I, I think it does work because it does make me feel something. And in the Patriots, it made me feel like I wanted to throw up. (laughs) But also the three times the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. they became sort of bigger deals and more memorable the two Giants games and the Eagles yeah. game because yeah. they were the dynasty. Oh, listen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Listen, it, it's and and that, it, it creates a lot of uh, ripples and, and fun discourse and I remember like every every newspaper in New York, every media outlet in New York, whenever they describe Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they don't describe them as six-time NFL champions. They describe them as the team that lost twice to the Giants in the Super Bowl. I think Bowl. when he retired, that <laughs> yeah, was they, the headline. exactly what it was. And right, and that doesn't happen if you if you're not a big deal, right? Oh yeah, I mean those right. are two of the most memorable who, upsets in yeah. Super Bowl history. Who was it who recently said something along the lines is that you ain't nobody if you don't create no smoke? Who was that? What did something like that? I believe it was Tommy I mean, Chong. <laughs> right, Tommy Chong. Yeah. If you don't have, I, I'm I'm messing up the phrasing, but if you don't have haters, you ain't popping. That's it. That's it. That's what it was. There we go. That's what Who it said was, that? Sarah. Uh, Sarah Cazell. Oh, Sarah Cazell said no, it. That was, you, no, I'll, somebody, I'll, I'll find it. Somebody actually said that. If you don't have haters, you ain't popping. No, see. I'm Googling. <laughs> you ain't We can actually hear you Googling. <laughs> right the, now. the Chiefs being a dynasty, though, doesn't really help this Super Bowl matchup to me because the 49ers are usually good. I know they haven't won a championship in a while, but let's suppose that the matchup would have been the Chiefs versus Detroit. You would have really felt like this dynasty versus this underdog yes. thing. That, that's, to me, when it works the best. Well, uh, no, see, but I disagree with that. The, the fact that you've got a dynasty against a team that, that may be its equal, maybe it's superior, that's, uh, that's, that's why I'm really intrigued by this Super Bowl. If it were the Lions and the Chiefs, I mean, I'd be cheering for the Lions very hard, but I wouldn't give them a chance in heck at winning. Yeah, I mean, the last dynasty we experienced in in the NFL was the Patriots, mm-hmm. and it was over a long period of time. You want to talk about dynasties that last a long... That lasted as long as the Ming dynasty, babe. babe. <laughs> uh, but do you remember when you when you look at the Patriots' Super Bowl wins... You look at, obviously, the comeback over the Falcons because it was historic. Mm -hmm. You look at the two losses to the Giants because they were historic. Um, You look at the loss to the Eagles because of the plays that the the Eagles used. The Philly special. Uh But, I mean, when they beat Philly, eh. When they beat Carolina, eh. It was just them taking care of their business. You remember the first one with the, the kick to win? But, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and they, the, I mean, they were a huge underdog. That was the start of the whole thing. And their the last Rams. one versus the Rams was the least memorable of all of them. Yes. <laughs> so, could you imagine if Yao Ming had actually led the Rockets to a lot of championships and actually been a Ming dynasty? Wrote, wrote itself. Unbe- yeah. It would have written itself. Yeah. You know how many frustrated headline writers there are in Houston, Texas this morning? Yeah. Right. So, so okay, so the, the most recent dynasties, aside from the Patriots, would have been what? The Golden State, Golden State Warriors, Warriors. Right? Yeah. 
And that kind of had a different feel about it because of KD. KD kind of came in the back half of it, maybe. But they know? won before and after him, yeah. though. So. I mean, the last one in baseball, was it the Yankees? Yeah. Late, would have had late 90s, been. early It depends 2000s. what you think of the Astros. Oh, let me Still tell you what cheaters. I think of the Astros. Because <laughs> they, made, they made, what, three World Series? Mm-hmm. One, two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Banging garbage cans? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not ready to go there. What, so, so a dynasty has to be... Three in five years is a good bench. Three wins in five years. Three wins in five years is yeah. a, it seems like really kind of like that first ticket of admission. You know? kind of It's kind of your parking pass, and whether you get in after that's up to you. I don't know. It, it's it, but I do think I do think that the Chiefs have that on the line this weekend, and it's and it's it's also a great opportunity for the 49ers if they happen to if they happen to control this team. Yeah, that's know? all the talk going into this game. Dynasty, mm-hmm. legacy, legacy, empire. Mm-hmm. Sounds like all these uh, network one hour network it does. dramas. Yes, it does. Shows. Yes, put Taraji P Henson in there. Not landing. What? Not landing. <laughs> Not Coming landing. up next, Sarah Gazelle will take us through the big stories of this Friday morning in the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot on this Friday on Bickley and Murata mornings. Hello, this is the time where we get you caught up on everything you need to know in Valley Sports and beyond. So let's jump in. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hello! With Vince Murata. (laughs) Our existence on this earth is a puzzle. (laughs) And with Jarrett Carlin. When they say it's being distributed on Amazon, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? (laughs) Told you I was going all Sopranos. Little hat tip to Carmella there. So every every one of those references, unfortunately, is going to go over my head because I've not watched the it's, show. I'm living proof. It's never too late to get started. There's a whole <laughs> world out there, Sarah. You are so excited yeah. about this. Per- it's, perhaps. It's much okay. easier to get caught up to on these prestige dramas on, on cable or streaming because they're only like eight to ten episodes per season. It's not 24 like network. But are yeah. they like an hour long? Sopranos had like yeah. 13 episodes yeah. per season. The, the, la- the Sopranos. Sopranos last season was lengthy. It was, it was like two, 23, yeah. 21 segment or 21 episodes, I think. Yeah. Oh, right. that's daunting. Well worth it. I yeah. thought the same thing for all those years. I was okay. a fool. I was a, a fool, fool I tell you. <laughs> I'm catching up okay. on uh, Simpsons right now for the first time. 850 episodes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Let's catch up on the Phoenix Suns and what they did last night. They beat the Utah Jazz 129-115 without Devin Booker. He was ruled out uh, midday with left hip soreness. So that left Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal to take charge. And that they did. 31 points, 8 boards, 7 assists for Kevin Durant. 19 points in the first quarter for him. And Bradley Beal added 30 points and 7 assists. On the note of assists, we got a season high from the Suns. 37 as a team. They had that ball moving. Grayson Allen had 14. That was a career high for him. Here is Kevin Durant after the win, giving props to his teammates for everyone stepping up in Booker's absence. Yeah, I mean, we had guys in and out the lineup all season, so we kind of understand what our roles are when guys go out. It's the next man mentality in the league and you know, try to make up for everything we lost with Book. You know, he could do so much out there. So 
Got to have 14 assists. Then we got two guys with 30 and 19 for EG, 12 for Drew. Like, we, we made up for it. So, uh, that's what well-rounded teams do. And regardless of who's out there, we got to continue to keep playing together and playing hard. So, uh, 37 assists, 12 turnovers. I love that. All right. Earlier in the show, we very, very briefly touched on the fact that when you look at all the different combinations of the big three as duos, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, um, the the two of them have played together the least of all of the duos. So where is your confidence now in the big three as a unit and as individuals that any combination of them can get the job done? Uh, Probably an all time high individually, Uh, just because of what Kevin Durant has done. He, he, He is so light on his feet. He's got he's got so much bounce right now. You can tell physically he feels really, really good and Bradley Beal has, has gotten progressively better and we all know what Book brings to the table. So personally, I've never felt better about those three as a as a trio. Yeah, I, I feel the same way and it was really bolstered by the fact uh, you look at the assist number 37, a season high after a game where they did not share the ball well, the assist numbers were way down against Milwaukee, but to do that 37 assists in a game where the guy who's the de facto point guard wasn't even playing, that to me is a big confidence booster for this team moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now today marks one year since Matt Ishbia made the move in his first week, first official week and traded for Kevin Durant. We woke up to that news on February 9th last year and um, just freaked out for four full hours on Super Bowl Media Row and then, uh, <laughs> here in the Valley. That was a Wednesday? It was a it was a Wednesday night into Thursday okay, morning. Okay, so we not only four hours but also freaked and out Friday. for four hours on Friday, That too. is correct. And we're like, oh yeah, Super Bowl's also some happening dar, on Sunday. Some dar knows at the local Super Whoops. Bowl. Yes. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsies. Okay, so yesterday the Suns uh, got Royce O'Neal from Brooklyn and Big Body Roddy. Oh! David Roddy. Roddy Roddy. Yes. Were there any moves either with the Suns or the NBA as a whole that caught your attention as far as, oh, this team is really Mm -hmm. going for it? Yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich to the Knicks. And Burks. And, I, lo- yeah. I love Alec that. Burks is good, too. Both of those moves to the Knicks. Um, loved those moves. The moves that I liked the most, unfortunately, were the moves made by Dallas. Yeah. To get, uh, to get the players that the, mm-hmm. they got. Um and why is my I'm just drawing a blank? Da- uh, Daniel Gafford and mm-hmm. uh, who's the other the better player? <laughs> I don't remember. I got to look it up in my notes. Okay, so this in, is that time of the morning. No, back no, right, talking right, about oh, before. Oh, oh. PJ Washington. Vinny oh, okay. Wall. Oh, yeah, right. yes, yes, yes. Face so, first. Jimmy you, Eat World. <laughs> Vinny Hit Wall. <laughs> Yeah, um, listen, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what Vinny is saying. I, the Knicks, ever since they got OG Ananobi, I, they have been, incre- their metrics are incredible recently. But he's out for a while. Right. but he's had wh- surgery, but right, yeah. Right. He, they, I think they were 16-3 and three in the first 19 games he played. Right. So, yeah, they've been tremendous. It, it, and so, and that was the that was sort of the corner turner for them. And and ever since, and now the additions they made gives Tom Thibodeau some bench. And, and I agree with you, Dallas got a little better as well. Lakers yep. were big losers. Chicago. I don't have no idea what the Chicago Bulls are doing. Mm-hmm. The Bulls. Bulls. Get a clue there Bulls. in Chicago. We've not known what the Bulls are doing for a little while now. Here, I'm going to make a bold. Get a sausage sandwich, Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a bold statement about the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. The New York Knicks 
and the Cleveland Cavaliers have Ooh. leapfrogged Philadelphia and Milwaukee on the championship pecking order. Whoa, that I is a bold I, statement. I think it's Boston, New York, and Cleveland right now. Wow. I'm not Ooh. sure I trust Cleveland to stay could there. I imagine, trust the Knicks to stay there. Could you imagine a Boston, New York, Eastern Conference Finals? Wow. Fight till the death. Well, it's it's just, listen, the NBA is a better place than the Knicks are good, and they haven't been good forever. Yeah, it's true. All right, finally, let's get to the Super Bowl. The Superb Owl. They will play on Sunday. <laughs> yes, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. It's, it's not fantastic. a Sarah original. No, it's not. whatever. They say that to get around the whole... Yeah, the, the NFL coming the after you. Game. Yeah. How so, did I miss that? That so, is fantastic. I, I truly don't know, because it is everywhere. Have you heard that before, Vinny? I have, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, Sunday, the game. Mm-hmm. Who is going to be the most impactful player on the field and why? We've got... We know what Bix says. Chase Young. Hey. Hey. I found, Actually, I found better us. odds for Bix, by the way, if he wants them. Yeah, he did. 260. <laughs> Somebody tweeted us and said, thanks, Bic. I'm putting my money on Chase Young. That, right. 20 bucks? Take a chance. Okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Brock Purdy, or Christian McCaffrey. Who's the most impactful of that group and why? Say Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Brock, Brock Purdy, Purdy, Christian, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the answer. <laughs> I think McCaffrey is an mm-hmm. interesting study because he has been unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But we also thought the same thing about you know the the Ravens being able to run on their Indeed. lead on their run game Indeed. and they weren't able to do that against yep. Kansas City's defense. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see what uh, the San Francisco defense does. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, what the Kansas City defense does to s- slow down the yes. San Francisco run yes. game. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to vote with Vinny. That sounds about Patrick logical Jones. to me. Yeah. Yep. All right, before we wrap up, just want to share an update from the PGA Tour. There was a frost delay taking round one slash two of the WM Phoenix Open to an 8 o'clock start. It is now an 8.30 start. So we've already been pushed back an hour this morning after yesterday's delay. Phoenix! This weather is not it. We have guests. Yeah, what are you doing? Get it together. I do. I do now feel like... Now people aren't going to move here in droves. Well, I, okay, oh, wait. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. No, but I do, don't, I, I do feel like when there's big events here, I do want the weather to be good. Yes. You almost feel like... Show off, Phoenix. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, we're timing. Right. I mean, call me selfish. I want the weather to be good all the time, and I don't care about the guests. <laughs> I just want it for us. Yes. Well, you are selfish. That is kind of selfish. Yes, yeah. I agree. I am. It's all about me and us. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, what are the Phoenix Suns getting in? Royce O'Neal will check in with Evan Barnes, who covers the Nets for Newsday. Straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Gambo. The Phoenix Suns have added two new players to the roster as they continue their pursuit of a championship. How soon can Royce O'Neal and David Roddy make their presence felt? We'll talk about it on today's Burns and Gambo show, 2-6 to six on Arizona Sports. Yeah, great team player. Can shoot the ball, can pass it, uh, guard a couple positions. But just a great teammate. Uh, I think everybody in the Valley going to love him. That's Kevin Durant following the Suns win over the Jazz last night talking about the newly acquired Royce O'Neal, one of two players acquired 
fired at the deadline by the Suns yesterday. And here to uh, give us more information on the one of the newest Phoenix Suns. Covers the Brooklyn Nets for Newsday. Evan Barnes, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Evan, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. No problem, no problem. Thanks y'all for having me. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to piggyback on on what KD said, a little bit uh, more detail. What are the Phoenix Suns getting in Royce O'Neal from uh, your perspective? Well, they're getting a player that is absolutely going to be a great asset on the perimeter. He can obviously hit three. He is a great defender. He was very dependable. Uh, last season in Brooklyn, he started most of the year. Then obviously once they got um, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, um, he slid back to the bench and he stayed there this season. But he was someone who could be reliable to knock down a three, play defense. Obviously, if you need him to play a little bit rugged in the post, he can be called on to the pinch. Um, but he was somebody who um, the Nets really, really valued, as you could tell by some of the reports for what they wanted for him. So um, definitely an asset going to Phoenix. And as Katie said, Katie, Katie knows all too well what Royce can do. So uh, I think it's a great pickup for, for Phoenix. I, I've seen Royce being described in a couple of different places as sort of like the ultimate glue guy. What, what did that mean in his time in Brooklyn? I mean, you name it. Like I said, he, he um, again, you need him to knock down a three, he'll knock down a three. You need him to defend, he'll defend. You need him to play in the post, uh, in the playoff series when you're guarding Joel Embiid to kind of handle some uh, some size issues, he can do that. Like, whatever you need from Maurice O'Neal, he can do it. I mean, I think about how his last two games, um, he hit 15, uh, 15, 18 points, made nine combined threes, played really well. Um, just whatever you need him to, to be, he will do. And I think that comes from a player with his background, somebody who I believe, you know, wasn't drafted, had to work to create a place for himself in Utah, carved out a place on a team that was, you know, had the best record in the West a couple years ago. So he just has that do-whatever mentality, and, you know, he's a great teammate. You can tell, by the way, that Jock Vaughn and uh, General Manager Sean Marks talked about him. Like, they had high praise. Mikael Bridges said he's going to really miss him, um, along with Spencer Genuity. So just someone who can come in, do his job, and if you need him off the bench, he can be a great, you know, shooter off the bench. Evan Barnes from uh, Newsday covers the Brooklyn Nets, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You mentioned kind of where I was going with my next question, and I think it's interesting because there's a lot of uh, fans here in Phoenix that are still pining over Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, two of the most popular players to, to wear the uniform in Phoenix in quite some time. But, you know, with Royce O'Neal gone, and you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie was traded at the deadline yesterday. Uh, as you see it, what is the direction right now of the Brooklyn Nets? How prominently does Mikel Bridges fit into that? And, and how serious, if at all, were the Nets listening to offers for Bridges at the de- deadline? Well, I think it's pretty clear they want to build around him. I think if you read the reports that they said, you know, they turned down several offers from teams dangling picks for him and everything, the Nets really value Mikel Bridges highly. They want to build this team around him. They see him as part of their centerpiece of this new era post KD Kyrie Irving. And they really, really like him. You could hear it from how Sean Marks mentioned when he talked about, you know, he wants to see the prime of these guys that he has as his core. And he mentioned Mikhail and Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton um, and Cam Thomas. Um, those are the people that they want to build. Um, at least for now, they want to build this team around. And Mikhail, you can't ask for anybody better. I mean, he's been a leader here. He's been adjusting to a new role. And the Nets really, really like him, and so do people around the league. Clearly, mm-hmm. these offers that teams are throwing out for him show that, hey, they can see him being a, a great part of a 
contending team. I think the question is for the Nets, can they find another player of Mikhail's caliber to help partner with him to be a great one-two punch in that starting lineup? Because I think with Cam Johnson, you clearly love what he can do as a as a shooter, as a floor spacer, somebody who can get rebounds and play in a bigger role. But I think the Nets are looking for another player to possibly pair along Mikael Bridges so that way Mikael can you know ease some of that usage rate and be able to show more of that defense, other things he can bring to the table besides having to carry the load every night basically by himself with Cam Thomas, scoring-wise. Uh, KD has been really, really good all year long for the Suns. He's been incredible, starting with that his return to Brooklyn in which he just owned that night. What were your thoughts on what that night meant? Because there was so much um, indecision or confusion or, or people who just didn't know what that reception was going to sound like. What did that say? What did that mean about KD, in your opinion? I think what it says is that for all the people who talked about how that era was a failure, and it was, let's just be honest, it was a failure, there was a a lot of love for him because I think for for KD being a very honest person, you could tell that what he had to say about Brooklyn was was mostly positive. Um, You could tell that, you know, there was a lot of love in the arena. Jock Vaughn singled him out to praise him for what he meant to the franchise and Sean Marks, you know, the GM gave him a hug. I do think that there was a lot of love and respect. And you could tell that by contrasting the fact that KD got a tribute video. Kyrie Irving did not. (laughs) So I think you can read between the lines there, but clearly uh, there's a lot of love and respect for Kevin Durant. Clearly it didn't work out, but you're happy that he's still able to deliver at a high level after his Achilles injury. You're happy that he's able to be a player. You can look at and say, Hey, having Kevin Durant, you're in the championship conversation, or at least going to be talked about in that conversation. Um, and clearly the Nets, it, it just didn't work out. But there's a, there, from my understanding, there's a lot more love for Durant, for at least for how he tried to make it work, for what happened. And um, there's a lot of respect that night. Evan Barnes from Newsday, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. You cover the Nets for Newsday. By virtue, you follow the whole league. I'm curious to get your viewpoint, Evan, on on what transpired yesterday or even in the days leading up to yesterday, uh, this week, in terms of trades. Is there a team that you think moved the needle more than others in terms of pursuit of a championship? I think, and and this might be kind of a Captain Obvious for people who watched the recast yesterday, I think the Knicks really Mm -hmm. made some of the better moves, getting... Alex Burks, Boyan Mogdanovic. I, I think the Knicks right now are a team that people are saying could really kind of make a push in the East right now because of looking what's going on. Joel Embiid is seriously going to be hurt with that you know procedure he just had. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks are struggling to defend. The Knicks right now, they position themselves with that much depth, provided they get Randall and Jalen, Julius Randall and Jalen Brunson healthy. I like the moves they made that really signal that, hey, they're trying to make a move and make a push to say, we want to be in the conversation, not just because we're in New York, but we have a team that can be competitive. So I really like what the Knicks did. Uh, I think I was surprised that DeJounte Murray didn't get moved by the Hawks. Yeah. I thought he was the name that a lot of people were waiting to see what would happen, um, to see what would happen. And, and, you know, the Nets had some interest. But I think that was also the other surprise was that he didn't get moved. I thought somebody would have got him. And then you're looking at maybe could he be like the surprise piece that a team needs to make a, a, a late season push. So I think those two things – really stood out to me a little bit. Yeah. Evan, thanks so much for jumping on with us this morning. We really appreciate Appreciate the insight.
Hey, appreciate you guys. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Evan Barnes, he covers the Nets for Newsday in New York. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. I uh, want to remind you that it's a big day because today is your last chance to qualify for a, to win a trip for two to the NFL Draft. Just text DRAFT to 620-620. That'll get you registered. Listen for your name today at 820-1220-420. Again, text DRAFT to 620-620 and be there when the Cardinals make that number four overall pick. It's Destination Detroit brought to you by Bud Light and Burns and Gambo. We're going to announce the grand prize winner on their show today. So get involved. Coming up next, Bick gets involved. Fire. In a big way with the blast. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.